Yes, sir. We it here. is. We here. We here. Testing, testing. One, two. Is this thing on? This is Friday, right, man. We here. We back in the saddle, Mo. Um, mm-hmm. This is a very special episode, man. And, and we have a guest. You know, we usually we have guests every now and then, but it ain't a, a reoccurring thing on another week in the books. Uh, so to Did get I, I a honor. Absolutely, man. We we honored to have you. Yeah. To have yeah. a guest here, you know that we felt like they was gonna be bringing their a game and talk the type of talk that we usually talk over here. At another week in the books, man. You heard the voice. If you're familiar with the show, it's the Wild Black Podcast. And we got my man Vince in here. Vince, what up? Tell him, man. Welcome to the show, man. Yes, sir. Man, it's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you, brothers. I'm glad you uh made space for me today. Absolutely, man. We're glad you was able to tap in with us. Vince has a wild, the Wild Black Podcast. Recently picked up by Revolt. This brother been grinding for years. He and I met at a... Um, we met at something that Animal Brown was doing. Y'all, y'all were on a panel was, together. Uh, Black Podcast Collective. Black Podcast Collective. Mm-hmm. Shout out to... Uh, shout out to them, man. And um, you and I were backstage in the green room, quote unquote, just chopping it up, just running game by each other. We've stayed in touch ever since, man. It's been like five years now, right? In a minute. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We stay in touch, text, golfed a couple of times. Well, one time, which was incredible. I just listened to your podcast. It had the, the black godfather of golf on there. Ah. Gave some great yep. game and that was a really good episode especially since i'm into golf he taught me some things that i didn't know made me want to go even harder in golf mm-hmm. uh, but i'm going to step out of the way i'm gonna let you do an introduction yourself man and we can get into what we do over here at another week in the books yeah yeah man uh darius go by vince on the podcast i mean honestly i i think the way the way i introduce myself is this in the last few years I realized what it was that I am. Like I, I spent my entire life finding things and trying things and creating things only to realize through all that, that it's a storyteller is what I am. And I've been doing it my whole life, but refused to add that label to myself. So now I sit in a position of telling the kind of stories that I think black America needs to hear, needs to learn, needs to understand so that we can be better, stronger, more ready, more adapt, period. Like my whole point now is to build us up as a community and as a people. And that's what we do on Wild Black. Every week we bring in an expert, credible person, whether it's an influencer or a celebrity or an everyday person that you may have or may not have heard of to teach you something, to build a bridge for you to walk from where you are to where you want to be, to make you better, to inspire you. And that's all we do. It doesn't matter if we're talking about healthcare, education, the American beauty standard as it relates to exotic dancing, all the way over to financing and being a creator. We talk about everything that black folks touch, which means we talk about everything because black folks touch everything. I love that it's, I love, I love that it's focused on black people on a pot of jelly too. Just like with this podcast, primarily we're talking to black men. Mm-hmm. In this podcast, and it ain't no shame in our game as far as that's who this is focused towards. Even with the Sopranos podcast, Good Earners Mo, like we're saying and doing stuff and reviewing a podcast like the Sopranos from a black perspective. I love people that do shit unapologetically black. And ain't saying that we better or whatever it may be. It's just I love when people focus on black people. Mm-hmm. Can I can I jump in? Can I jump in? Jump in here, Mo. Uh and I appreciate that too. I think where me and Spike always differ. Um, is 
we we talked about i don't know if you may have not heard the episode or not but like we talked about the idris elba thing where like mm. he basically it's kind of like the jay-z i'm not black i'm oj thing right where it's like i don't want to be identified don't classify me as a black actor i'm just an actor and so I, i'm fully i'm fully on that same page but i think that I think that there's a way to open this thing up where it's unapologetically black, but it reaches more than black. And that's kind of my mentality on it. I don't know exactly how to get there because it's so it all starts with our people. But I think that it needs to other people need educating too. And I don't know how to get there yet, but I like Spike, I, I echo the same sentiments. I appreciate what you're doing and I think that that's dope. And I want to ask on that note, how do you how do you even gauge that you you being like hey this is we're telling you right in the title it's wild black this is what we focus on i mean obviously you got you you in a you you got picked up by revolt black black owned uh network did you ever at one thought think that am i marginalizing myself with just one particular group like with just us or did you feel like no matter what it's gonna be successful yeah can we cur- can we we can curse right absolutely we all in absolutely Want to make this sure. Is, this barbershop talk. This barbershop talk. I want to double check, man. Absolutely. Hell no. I never felt that. Let me tell you why. It's real easy for me. Mm-hmm. Because we are, to me, all things. Right? It's not that we are the only thing, but to me, we are all things. I look at the world through a black lens. And, mm-hmm. and to go back to your conversation, I agree with both. I am both because I can be both. I can be both a black man who identifies wholeheartedly as a black man, but I can also be a man who does amazing things who happens to be black, and that's the bonus. That's the super. Mm. I'm both. And and I dare anyone to take either one away from me because how can you? Like that is who I am. I am a man and I am a black man. And for those of, of those for those people who look at me and say you happen to be black, I gladly happen to be black because that is my <laughs> it is my experience and my ability as a black man to change and to code switch when I need to, right? We look at that as a negative, but I look at that as a superpower. <laughs> I can plan into any environment. I'm corporate, I'm hood, I'm I'm podcast, I'm real estate, I'm dad, I'm homeboy, I'm all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm black while I do it. So for me, man, I, I've never had a single hesitation about focusing on this community because mm-hmm. there are not enough people focusing on this community. And even if there were, there we I'd go. still be focused on this community because, man, I, I love us to death mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. No excuses. Like this, this is what I was created for. When 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 God put me in the world and made me a black man and a man who identifies as black. He also put into me a desire to focus on supporting better black folks in general. I'm not against anyone else. And and to the point in the question you asked, while black does four things, and, and I, I don't always mention the fourth because it's not always relevant, but here I want to bring it up. One, we create awareness around topics that black folks as a community are unaware of or underaware of. Two, we correct commonly accepted misinformation by the black community. Three, we create inspiration for the black community to go grow and succeed. But four, we create a space, a safe space. And I use that word carefully, a safe space for those out of culture to come and get the answers to the questions they are too afraid to ask out loud. Because my perspective is there are people who would be allies and accomplices, but they are so afraid of the labeling mechanism that's happening yeah. that they don't go get the education. I welcome you. 
white, Puerto Rican, English, Scottish, Spanish, <laughs> Asian. Come get it. I'm not going to change how I talk. I'm not going to change the mission or the message. But you're welcome to come sit on the stoop and listen and learn. Be made better. Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to get us someplace. And I recognize that through history, no people other than maybe white people, and even they have needed help, no people have made it to where they're trying to go in isolation. I'm not a fool. I love black folks, but we got to get someplace. And we're going to need the help of other people to get there. Mm-hmm. Come learn. That's, that's my belief. Well, that's a hell of an elevator pitch right there, boy. I love it. That that's is more, that's a, a sta- that's a stairs pitch right there. You got to we got to walk yeah. up a few flew flights right there. With that. that no you got to hold it down. You got to press the button. You gotta yeah, press the bro. button. Hold a little bit. For that put one. the put the put the key in the lock real quick. Hold on, let me holler at you. you know what I mean? No, but I do get that though because just like what we were saying, Mo, when we started this podcast, there is this yearning inside of us as creators to be able to have these conversations. That genuinely or generally wouldn't be had. Like I, I talk about this all the time. The number of people that hit me up and is like, bro, I'm glad y'all talked about that on another week in the books, cause I've been going through it and I just ain't had like I don't talk like that with my homeboys. I don't talk like that with my girl. Like, but I hear you niggas talking about it and I realize, I realize that I'm going through the same shit or y'all are going through the same shit and it's not abnormal to feel like it's as a black man at 30, 40 years old. So that is a yearning just like what you saying uh, Vince as far as like why I do this is to introduce people to how we talk with being unapologetic about it not having to move shit around you come here sit down on this stoop get this game I'm not going to modify it for you you need to catch up get in the lane and understand it and the more we do it the more you'll get it Man, I welcome you but if you are offended fuck you <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask this too and I, I do want to ask kind of the origin of it. I mean, like, I'm not, we're not going to necessarily do an interview, but I think that it is necessary for those that may not be familiar with your show because your show is a great show. And it's in this same vein where we are elevating our people, you know. So I want to ask one, how did, what in your mind clicked to say, I need to get behind a microphone because these things need to be heard? And I'm the person to do it. That's one. And two, upon creating it, how did you put yourself in a mindset? Because when you know you're going to say, I'm focused strictly on my people, as much as we want to be successful from a monetary standpoint, that may not necessarily be what success is in this journey if we're going to focus on our people because we're not necessarily the most supportive, the most, you know, we, we know our history. So, those two things the origin of saying i should be the one doing this along with the, the you know the other people that are involved in two understanding the mission versus like the monetary part of the success that's an easy answer for me and um i'm gonna try to keep it short i tell this story sometimes it gets long but you know i, I get that the platform we're on i'm gonna try to shorten it for you but it really starts from, from two emotions pure rage and significant heartbreak. Like that's what this story started. Um, If you remember back when Mike Brown was murdered in Ferguson, at the time I was working in corporate America at Walmart on the marketing team. And when Fox News and CNN and everyone was playing the footage 24 seven, I was standing on the marketing floor 
watching Fox News because I'm at Walmart and they play Fox News. And there were three white women behind me. Now, two of the three I knew well. One I golfed with, I was golfing back then. And the other, we had had dinner together. She had been to my house, I had been to hers. We knew each other. The third, I knew in passing. She was relatively new, but I knew her in passing, right? And at the time, tanks were in the street. They were showing people fighting and bottles being thrown. And we can get into the imaging, right? That's a, that's a different thing. They, they chose to show what they chose to show. But the conversation that happened behind me between these three white women enraged me and broke my heart. And I'll paraphrase it, but as they were watching, one of them said, you know, what's happening? What's going on? Why, why are these tanks in the streets? Why are people angry and throwing bottles? And the other said, I don't know. It, it looks like someone won a championship. And then the third, why does it have to be so violent, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rational guy. Yeah. I'm 47. So I remember when the Bulls won the championship in Chicago, did kind of look like that. So I thought, cool, I, I can rock with that. But I was angry nonetheless, and I was heartbroken for a couple of reasons. I was angry because there was this thing that was going on on the ground in real time about four hours from where I stood, and they didn't know anything about it. Now, me, I didn't watch The Bachelorette or The Bachelor. I didn't watch Friends, but I knew enough of what was happening to, to participate in their conversations. But there was this thing that was going on just down the street from us that had me heartbroken. Had me, I cried real tears behind it. I'm a six foot four, 300 pound black man who at the time was six foot four, 300 pounds. I looked like Mike Brown. I had a large son who reminded me of Mike Brown. So I saw me and him laying in that street and them being so privileged just to not know anything about it, right? We breathed the same air, we walked the same ground, we sat in the same counters, we, we sat in the same meetings, we all had luxury vehicles, but I lived in their world and they didn't necessarily live in mine and it pissed me off and it broke my heart because in part I felt like because of all those things we had some level of equality, there was equity between us, we were similar if not the same. That's thing one that happened. And, and when that happened, I decided I wanted to change my social media into a lightning rod of what was going on in the black world. Because when I looked at the cross section of my family, I was the only one or one of very few who had access to this world of CEOs and CMOs and influencers and, and, and honestly, white people. Right. And I wanted to then inject into their world all these things that were happening in mine. So I didn't have to have another moment where I felt those feelings of being isolated. Right. I felt those feelings of recognizing that I didn't belong in their world. I couldn't have that again. So I wanted to change that. And I did that for a while. Got my first death threats, felt like I was doing something, right? And then fast forward, maybe a year, maybe two years. My social media was all that. It was every time someone called somebody a nigga, every time somebody got killed, every time the police did brutality, I was posting because I was injecting it into their world. And then fast forward two years, I'm in Mississippi. I'm in my grandmother's garage with my cousin, my favorite cousin. We're having a conversation. I'm 38, 37 years old. And I'm telling Big Cuz with the answers, that's how I looked at him, about my 401k and about retirement. And I need to change what I was doing because I wanted to make sure that myself and my family were set up. I had this 10 minute conversation with him that I now realize was a monologue. At the end of that conversation, I was waiting for him to tell me the piece of information or ask me the question that I needed to set me off on my journey the right way. But he didn't. At the end of that conversation, he looked at me and he said one thing. What's a 401k? And my heart broke again. But this mm. time, I never healed because what I recognized was I had an undergraduate degree, a master's degree. I made six figures. I had a, a nice house. I had 
hundreds of thousands of dollars in my 401k. My children are going to be prepared for college. My wife was a full-time nurse practitioner with a master's degree. I had made all this progress, but someplace along the way, I forgot to bring my favorite cousin with me. I forgot to inform him. And if I didn't inform him, what about my least favorite cousin, right? What about your cousin, right? If I didn't do my job and build my bread and connect my family to this future that I was trying to build for myself, how selfish must I be? I was heartbroken and I was angry and rageful again, but this time it was at me. And the third thing happened. A few months later, I'm having the conversation about retirement again, and I'm talking to a close friend of mine. And he says to me, how is your backdoor and mega backdoor IRA performing? And I looked at him and I sounded just like my cousin. <laughs> oh, what? Boy. Backdoor and mega backdoor IRA. And bro, he broke it down to me so smooth, so easy. Like, And for those of you all listening who don't know what it is, go look it up because it is an amazing legal investment tool that allows you to build and invest your money for the rest of your life tax free. It's a powerful tool. But I looked at this brother, close friend of mine, and I was angry again. I was rageful again. And I said to him, man, you've been doing this for 20 years. Why am I just learning about it now? And he said, I thought you knew. And so mm. all of a sudden, I looked at me and my cousin as proxies for Black America. The things that we don't know, I'm going to assume none of us know. And I wanted to create a platform that solved that problem. I had amazing networks and resources at my fingertips and I began beating on their door saying, hey, come sit with me. Let's start teaching people who look just like us the things that they need to know, even if you think they know it already. And that's where Wild Black was born. I called my boy. We decided to do an episode. We were going to do five episodes and see how it went. The very first one had been in my head for a year. It was, let me teach black people how to survive cop encounters. Let me teach you your rights and your law. We recorded that episode and four more. And we sat back and we said, huh, are we going to do more? Now we sit at 225 years later. And when I started the podcast, going to your question about monetization, I wasn't planning to make a dime. As a matter of fact, for the first three years, I didn't make a dime. I paid roughly ten to $12,000 a year out of my pocket to give to this community. In my mind, I was tithing. I was paying to deliver this message. And when, when people reached out, when businesses and companies and sponsorships, when they reached out to me, I declined. I was like, no, I don't want to infiltrate my message with your money. I want, I want this message to be clean, clear, and pure. I don't want anything to taint it. And then what I realized down the path was I can be selective. I can allow sponsorships and dollars that aid what I'm doing and aid my community. And I can make money while I teach them. And that's where I grew to. And now we're sitting on Revolt. We're in 73 countries with multiple millions of downloads, speaking to thousands and thousands of people on a weekly basis with the staff, with team, with people emailing and reaching out from PR agents to managers to guests all day long. I'm blessed to be in this position, man. And I recognize that that blessing is a requirement for me to keep telling stories, to keep yeah. teaching, to keep preaching in some sense, right? Yeah. But I want to keep building these bridges for my community to walk across to be better because I'm headed to a place of success. Yeah. And when I get there, I don't want to be alone. I need people who look just like me and you right beside me. I don't want to be there next yeah. to only Becky and, and Katie. Yeah. I want Becky and Katie there, but I want Spike. I want Maurice. I want hell d'angelo and and, and and whoever else that looks like me i want them there too i want us to be all there that's my goal that's how i got there that's the story that's amazing 
You body that. <laughs> uh, bro, I am mind blown. body that. Lord, I am mind blown. I've tried to gather myself there. I was not. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we talk about elevating. I told you, Vince. That's what Vince bring, man. I told you that, bro. Oh, yeah. man. You talk about Absolutely. elevating conversation amongst black men. That was. Wow. It was. Let me ask you something. Yes. Thank you. Man. Is this thank you? Outside. I gotta say thank you. So you pick up my podcast pants and, yeah, and please, this. please. Outside, <laughs> outside of doing it now, when you have those experiences like you had with your cousin, right? Where you feel like, damn, bro, because I, I, I have these conversations with myself too. Like, right. where did I fail? Where did I fail you at, my nigga? Like, why are you? <laughs> Why are you asking me these dumb questions or approaching me in these manners and shit? We should have been over like 10 years ago. Like, where did I fail you? And now that you do your podcast and you put the product out, do you feel like that's enough? Or do you still find yourself in those situations where, like, man, I got to help this brother, man, because, like, he don't fucking get it. Like, how much of that do you let pull away from what you do now that you set up a structure? You have a business for you get that voice out there like how often do you find yourself still in the trenches like now nah, i gotta help this nigga man every day bro it's like for every moment of grace and congratulations and success i feel i feel doubly the failure that surrounds me right and, and the reason i feel that way is because if i stop to pat myself on the back for too long I'm missing an opportunity and a moment that someone was open to the message I had to give them. And I feel directly responsible when I assume that they didn't get that message that they needed. Every time I hear a story, every time I meet a person and they say, I didn't know this or I needed this or there was a moment when I cracked or I broke or I fell because I didn't have this. I take that personally, right? Because granted, we all don't know each other, but that don't mean we ain't family, right? And from my perspective, family's supposed to be there for family and, and and maybe it's the flaw in me or maybe it's my superpower but i feel directly responsible for all the black and brown folks who surround me that i know that i don't know that i touch that i don't touch and so i have this this burning desire this feeling this motivation this orientation that's inside of me to continue to connect and tell story after story because there was a moment maybe two years ago where i sat back and i said i've done enough maybe i should stop and I told my wife, I think when December comes, I'm going to shut the podcast down. And the moment I said that, everything blew up in my world. That's when Revolt not, hey, can we get you? That's when other companies stopped again, like, hey, can we get you? We want to do this with you. We want to do this with you. And for me, I took that. I don't know where you all's faith is, but I took that as God knocking on my door and saying, brother, we ain't done yet. Mm-hmm. There's still something to say. And so I ramped it right back up and it, 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 it took off. The trajectory went went through the roof again. But this time with that trajectory, with that game, came so many other opportunities not tied to Wild Black. I had people in powerful positions and influence knocking on my door saying, hey, can you come help with this? I want to build this with you. Let's do this with you. And so right now I'm, I'm in a place where I've got Wild Black going. I've got Monuments to Me, which is also on Revolt, which is a podcast that features black women for black women, only black women to talk about the things that black women want to talk about unapologetically without giving a damn about what anybody says. Mm-hmm. I'm building something with 
W-A-B-E, that's going to speak to, I can't even go into it yet, but it's going to tell some amazing stories about some brothers and sisters that we need to know about. I got another digital web series that's coming up that I'm behind. I got another part. I got, I got, I got all this stuff going on because God told me, hey, brother, we're not done yet. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you feel like you've arrived, but I'm trying to tell you, you are not there yet. Let's ride out. Mm -hmm. So I'm still riding. Man, I, I I completely I completely get that, man, because I, I look at like that and I look at what we do and what is like what has always resonated in my spirit, in my mind since I was a young boy was the fact that like I would be around like, you know, like we talk about the cousins or we talk about the friends, like maybe some of them a little more hood, a little more rough around the edges. And I just used to like have conversations in the things I was talking about with them was like mind blowing, but it wasn't really that complicated. I realized at that point, I was like, you don't even really see the value in yourself. And, and it's not really their fault. It's like, I'm in the same boat really with you because of how the country values us as black people. A scenario happened in my job. I'm not going to really get into it, but like, I, I just, it's just sometimes how they are and, and their lack of understanding it's like you you can't just say anything to us and y'all 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 want to pick the sore spots. White people want to pick the sore spots to like bring up because y'all want to see where you know gauge the temperature of oh can I say something that's a racial or political thing at work and would they be offended and move a certain way and then you want to let it rot anyway. I can't even go there because this is fresh. <laughs> but let me get back to what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that. I understand your role in leadership and understand it's like if nobody else, who else is going to do it? If, if I don't do it and not to not to put an ego thing into it, but it's like I may I may reach a little. I may reach a lot, but my goal is to reach. And that's what I appreciate what you're saying. And like that's that's what has changed my whole mentality with me and Spike doing this show. It's like, no, the success ain't really the bag. The success is the reach. When we when we had a brother of ours, which we love working with Rich on here, and he told us literally what y'all were talking about. I literally applied it in real time and it changed the trajectory of what a situation was. I almost was in tears because I realized I said, no, that's success to know that you impacted and created value for black men, like to understand that I am better than this, better than what they're selling me, better than what they they're 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 exhibiting on TV screens and radio and media. That to me is is vital and important. And I'm like, man, we're we're so much more, we're so greater than that. And we're so much more complex that they don't want to give us credit for. So this is what this show is for. To to exhibit the complexities of black men. We're not just, oh, it's nigga mad, so nigga shot him. Oh, nigga mad, so he did this. Like, no, it's more than that. Like, there's a lot we we give these Jeffrey Dahmers and all of these people these levels and layers of uh complexity to say, oh, well, they had a childhood this way and they had trauma here and they had this, and these are the things, that, but we don't get that opportunity. So that is a big portion of what we do this show for. So I I appreciate what you're talking about, bro. Straight up. Absolutely, I mean, man. And to to do the thing that we do in this podcast, we're going to wrap it in, tie it in, to move on. Both of what you guys are talking about is elevating conversations, people being able to have the downloads to where I'm able to get this information, and it ain't just coming from rapper. Mm-hmm. Or I ain't got to go to church every week and get this, or I ain't got to listen to this. TV show that it's halfway right that white people halfway wrote mm-hmm. what podcasting has done has been able to give us an authentic voice where people can download directly to 
in our generation and i'm gonna speak for vince a little bit too he a little bit older than me we only had that download for music and I'm tying this in, Mo. Just, just work with me. Well, walk with me, Mo. But the preacher say, just, just walk with me for a minute. I'm gonna tie it in because we, we usually do a current event, and I want to do this one current event thing that I didn't put on the sheet before we get into being present and yeah. how we're going to do this chapter. But music was one of the big downloads for me and being raised that I didn't have the benefit of a wild black podcast. I didn't have the benefit of another week in the books. I, I didn't just get to hear black men talking sensibly about things that they wanted to do people that they wanted to be what was right what was wrong some perspectives to disagree with each other and continue just to move on without it being violent or anything like that and a lot of the downloads that i had came from music and yeah. to do the relevant events and thoughts i just seen something that i got into a discussion with with my group chat guys that i want you two to give me an opinion on because i don't have kids and I know you two are fathers, so I want to hear what you think about this. I just saw a clip recently. There was a teacher who was talking about how she got her kids' attention. And she got her kids' attention by starting off the Sexy Red Ski Yee song. And she knew that they would respond to that because it's popular culture, it's music. Like I said, that's how most of us get our downloads if we're not looking for it from somewhere else. And she did the ski song. If you guys are familiar with it, you know how the chant goes. She said the first part of it and all of them stopped what they were doing. Listen to the teacher. She got their attention like she was intending to do. And all of them teach the, the students said ski. Now I put this video in my group chat and I said, bro, you don't understand how mad I would be if I had a son who I've been trying to keep this information away from him, who I don't want him to listen to this music. But he come home and he regurgitating something that a teacher taught him that I didn't want him to know. And the nigga responded to me. He was like, bro, you're tripping. If, you, if you're tripping like that, just send your kid to private school. I said, so I got to dish out more money for a teacher to have respect for what my values are as a parent. And again, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. I may be overreacting. But my question to you guys is this. I saw this clip and I wondered. I wondered if I were a parent who was trying to keep my child, especially my son, especially my son away from like, I don't want you come saying ski to me, bro. I don't even want that in your vocabulary. I don't even want you to know what that means. Like, would I be tripping as a parent if I had a problem with that and the teacher doing that in the classroom? And she's only trying to maintain control. She ain't teaching. I'm not saying that she's teaching them how to twerk or no crazy shit like that. All I'm saying is just them knowing it. And my son, if that was a place that he had to learn it, I would be upset about it. And people told me I was tripping about that. But I'm not a parent. So I want to know what you two guys think as parents. Yeah. I'll jump in real quick with it first. For me, it's real simple, right? And I say it's real simple because for me it is. But I fully recognize that teaching, for instance, is a critically important profession but it's also a difficult one, right? And I've got a lot of friends who are teachers and I've heard their complaints about how do I break through? How do I make my mark? How do I teach? How do I elevate? And I'm sensitive to that, right? But I stand much more on, on your page of, there are certain things that I think as a parent, I'm protecting my child from, for my own personal reasons. Yep. And 
there are enough battles for me to fight as a parent out there. I don't want to have to fight that battle at school. I want them to go and I want them to get educated. The caveat, the flip side to that is I have a job as a parent to make sure that my child is conditioned and ready to go to school and learn so that they are not a problem. And every parent has that in my in, in my opinion, every parent has that same responsibility to make sure that your children are ready when they're in that classroom so that the teacher doesn't have to hit them with that type of stuff to simply get their attention. So the two things I say is one, no, I don't want that in I don't want that in my children's classroom because as a parent I'm protecting them from things. But two, that means I have to contribute to my child's behavior and reception of that message that when they're in the classroom, the teacher doesn't have to go through that. So if that makes sense. I don't think it should no. be there. But I do think parents need to play a much more active role. I'm that dad, like, through my, my, my children's entire academic career, teachers have known my name. And they know my name because, one, I'm there when everything is normal and right. I'm there when my child is the problem. But I'm damn sure there when the school or the teacher is the problem. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not afraid to get loud and to fight. I am that parent who is a nightmare for a teacher if you cross me because I'm educated, I'm big, I'm unafraid. <laughs> and I got the dollars to get myself out of jail if something happens. Now that's important though. And and more I, I want to let you get to it too, but the reason that that's important because I've always said I don't have kids and I, if I do, I'm going to be a helicopter parent just like you described. There's, and I don't really know your background, but one of the reasons that I do say that is because I didn't have that. I always felt like when I was telling my mom about stuff because she had to work so much and my dad wasn't around, I always felt like I had to not only prove myself to the teacher, but to her because these were other adults that are telling her stuff about her kid and she most likely would believe them because it's more convenient and easier than it is to listen to a kid and try to understand what they're trying to relate so i've always said the same thing as you're saying dude. like i'm gonna be in, like if that happens and my son come home quoting sexy red shit i need to be in the class the next day i ain't necessarily here to tell you you're doing a bad job but i right. do need to really understand why my son is regurgitating something that i'm keeping him away from while you're using it to get their attention versus something else that could probably be more effective i ain't here to tell you how to do my your job but i am here to tell you how to talk to my son or my yeah. daughter in that case and mo what i really would love to know from you is you have a young daughter like let's say this was your daughter's first second grade teacher and your daughter come home quoting sexy red shit hmm. i'll let you take it from now uh <clears throat> yeah, it 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 definitely would be bothersome. I mean, she's nine, so she's a fourth grader. It would be bothersome for me, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have the privilege that I was actually I've spoken on the show before, but I was an instructional instructional assistant, so I actually got to work for the school for like two, three semesters. So I've been in the classroom, and I I had to deal with behaviorally challenged kids. And so I got to really be in there and understand how difficult it is. Cause bro, I had a child so difficult. He pushed me out to quit basically. Like that's why I went back to graphics, bro. All 100. Like I, that's the, he pushed me out of the school, bro. Told you, you a ain't sixth grader, this, nigga. A sixth grader got me up out of there, bro. Cause he was so good for this. I'm nah, I, would, I, I do. I said, I, I don't have to make money this way. That's, that was how I, I promise. I was like, it ain't gotta be this hard. I promise you though. No. 
Uh, <laughs> but um, I would be upset. I, I do understand the the concept of what the teacher was going for. I just think that if you're going to use music, I think you got to go through a vetting process. I think you should definitely listen to lyrics. You should definitely, you know what I mean? There's lyrics.com. There's all kinds of ways you need to kind of, I get it. It's trending. It's popping. I get the technique. I do. I'm, I'm here for that. I've, I've had children at the church where I found a way to get through to them by kind of meeting them where they was at. So I know I understand the necessity of like, okay, what y'all on? Let me find and put it together but i think you as a teacher you got to be a little bit wiser in your approach you could put medicine in the candy or candy in the medicine but you gotta be a little wiser in doing it you don't just find oh what's the number one trend oh this is number nine trending on youtube let me play this for my kids this is going to get their attention no that's not the way you really want to go about it because it's ramifications however talking about my child I would still feel the need when it's time for t- parent teacher conference. I will feel the need to bring this scenario up. I probably wouldn't do it in that, that moment. I would probably talk to my child personally, explain it if she told me that. But I would wait till my parent teacher conference because at her school, it's not just you and a teacher. It's a whole staff in the room. So I'm, I'm talking to all kind of people that are involved. Uh, that's what I would do. But I also understand at the same time, while I'm trying to protect my child, they got to be exposed a little bit to what's going on. That if if I'm that, if I'm sheltering them and protecting them, they got to be exposed a little bit because I don't want them going out there and you have like, whoa, what is this? What is that? No, like you got to know what's up a little bit. You know what that, I mean? Yeah, so I'm not yeah, totally yeah. mad, but that was just not the right selection. If you're gonna take that approach, not even mad. I just think that my worry would be if I sent my child back the next day and told them not to participate, that they would be. Uh, they will be reprimanded for it. That would be yeah. my word. Okay. Like I, I again, and then that was part of the conversation that I had about it. Like, I'm not saying that she's a bad teacher for doing yeah. it. Yeah. I'm not saying that the method is wrong. I'm not saying any of that. All I'm saying is that I wouldn't want my child to participate in that. And I don't want that to isolate them either. So when they doing a little chat back and forth, you just don't participate. And damn sure don't bring it home to me saying mm-hmm. it's like what you said, Mo. Like, yeah, there were things that I did as a child that, of course, I wouldn't do in front of my mom. But I knew the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of blurring the line. Like an authority figure is giving you the OK to be like, yeah, you guys can say this. But me at home, I'm like, nah, bro, like that ain't even. That ain't nowhere near the what you what you about to get into. Like that ain't nowhere near your bag, bro. And then if he's like, "Oh, well, we do it in school," I got a problem with that because now I got a back and forth that I got to have with the teacher, or my child thinks that I'm trying to be more strict or do something different from everybody else. It's painting a negative picture towards my parenting. So that would be my biggest issue with it. it wouldn't be like I say. I, I I want to make sure that I'm very clear in this to the people listening. I understand teaching is a really hard job, and they got to do what they have and to do to grasp. Got to battle against all they, these they, things. They got to grasp their... these kids' attention, Boy, right? Yeah. And they got stuff and metrics that they have to meet, so mm-hmm. they got to take shortcuts and do that to get there. I get that, mm-hmm. but what my concern would be is if I told my child like, "Nah, bro, you're not participating in that," and if he would have say that to a classmate. That he not get reprimanded behind it. That would be my only concern. Because I wouldn't want my child doing that. Anything else you want to add to that, Vince? No, man. It's I mean, I think we covered it all. It's okay. It's the kind of situation where one is unfortunate because the teachers have an incredibly tough job. Yeah. Yeah. Dare I say impossible in some cases, right? Mm-hmm. And Max. parents. Again, I love us, but 
we all everybody who's a parent probably shouldn't be one right it's there should be a, right? should be a, a, a minimal there should be a test before god like okay you get one. <laughs> that's a fact that is a fact check out and, and, and that's that creates problems in the classroom right you gotta yeah. you gotta work with your child so the teacher can teach them so they can that's go and do what they're supposed to do because you right. know your points right the, the moment the moment you tell your child don't listen to that don't do that don't participate now you've introduced this concept to their to them that I have to figure out which elements of school are okay. Yes. Now, yes. now their brain power is being redirected to trying to distinguish between what they can actually learn and apply and what they can't. What can't because it went from being a safe space to an unsafe space just like that. Yeah, and and, and that, that that speaks to that that child that I dealt with, that young boy, that sixth grader. Like his dad wasn't in the picture and. I try, you know, obviously when we black, when you're black and you're in the school system, you're going to take on more than just being a teacher. Like you immediately know it's time to go to work. Like when I had them, these young boys that was in the streets telling me about a partner of theirs robbing somebody at a gas station, I immediately sixth had grade, right? Well, sixth these grade. guys, the, the one that pushed me out was sixth grade, but these other guys, they were like eighth graders. And I immediately like one of them brought a gun to school a year ago. The, the other ones had partners that was doing it and they was rapping. I had to really like. It almost was like, bro, I can't even focus on helping y'all on math because y'all need some life lessons. And this might not be the place. Y'all so entrenched. Bro, like, but math don't black, even matter right now. That's what I'm saying. Me. But as a black man, y'all gave me this key to this conference room. I got to have a real conversation with these dudes. And, you know, I mean, I didn't get fired or nothing, but still, it was just like the role that we play in that. Like, man, it's anyway, that's that's another subject. But, like, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's, good that's something. That's a good subject, man. So what we do here again, another week in the books, elevated conversations amongst black men, barbershop talk, laid back, perfect podcast for you. If you want to hear stuff that you're going through, man. And this week, man, our theme is being present, being present in a generation focused on the future. People chasing the bag, no sleep culture, all of these different things. Mm -hmm. So I was interested to know, Mo, as we do every week around this time. When you came up with this topic, what were you thinking and what type of conversation you want to have around, bro? Uh, I was just thinking about this because it's like it's just this thing that. You know, I just came off of a for those that have been listening, I came off like a three a three week hiatus, which was like a resting period, a, kind of a mental resting period because I, I just needed to do that. Uh, and the challenge of not coming back early because it's just a built in. um. I don't force field, I guess I'm gonna call it to to come back and work because we just always work as black men. But like I realize it's like I work so hard and most of us do. I imagine Vince does. I imagine Spike does and all of the, our brothers in this space, as well as other spaces, work so hard that at moments for me, I find myself not being present in my family, like with my wife at moments. I'm with her, but I'm trying to think about a post i'm trying to think about a i'm checking messages i'm trying to think about what's the what's the concept for this week what's going on i'm trying to gather my thoughts while i'm in the presence of my wife or i'm with my child and she's doing artwork and i'm looking at the art and i'm liking it but i really should be more in the bag it was like let me sit down let's actually watch something more let's talk about you know more things along the things that she's into and i realize it's like but i'm so goal oriented it's taking priority in some areas in my life and i'm trying and we talk about some people say you can balance and some people say ain't no balance but it just made me say we need to have this conversation i, I believe i even seen a clip uh spike sent 
uh, of yours, Vince. I believe you were talking about success. And so it all kind of was a, a, a big melting pot of this, this concept. So with that being said, I want to ask you, Vince, just to throw the ball in your court with, with us all having like strong ambition now that we are uh, mentally empowered as black people that we know we can do things outside of the normal nine to five. Uh, and that's a part of our identity. Does that take us away from being able to seize the moment? Like thinking about moments to come or even being present at this moment. Does that have you found that to be a thing for you in your life or? I mean, I think that I think it comes in levels, right? If if you're so focused on the future or you're so stuck in the past that you can't see the, the moment of the present, then yeah. Right. And I, I think the answer really is in balance. Right. And, and I've had those conversations with people who say there is no balance. And, and my my response to that always is, no, there is balanced. You're not equipped enough to find it. Right. So that means you have some internal work that you have to do. Because there's always something in the present that I think requires our attention, right? I got a wife and and two children, and I've got projects and, and a job, and I've got a mother, and I've got a sister. My father, and my brother have gone on, but and I have friends, and, and all that requires some level of present day in the moment maintenance. And it's my responsibility to make sure that I perform those duties as a, as a father, as a husband, as a son, and as a friend. But also, I have the same responsibilities toward the future. So I've got to make sure at the same time that I'm maintaining the moment that I'm creating tomorrow and I'm making sure that tomorrow is secure. The clip you probably heard is, is one I talk about a lot. And, and it's this, the concept of success versus being busy. And for mm-hmm. a very long time, I didn't know the difference. For a very long time, I actually misinterpreted success as being busy and so when, when i talk about the way i used to see things was it, it was like i'd wake up and i'd be in the middle of a room every day and and while i was in that room standing in the center i'd start my day and i'd work on my my job or my my projects or my media or my real estate or, or anything and and during that day i would take ten thousand steps one step forward one step left, two steps to the right, three steps back, two steps forward. And I do that all day long. And so after eight, nine, 10, 15 hours, my feet hurt. They were swollen. I was tired. I was sweaty. I, I was busy. I had been moving all day. I felt my body felt like I had achieved something. But when the day ended and the mission was to get out the room and I looked up, I was in the same place that I started. But I had all the effects of a man who had went someplace, but I had gone absolutely nowhere. And for me, I had to redefine, not even redefine. I had to go learn what success really meant. Success was about efficiency, right? It it was about creating goals that allowed me to both be present and operate in tomorrow while I consider and learn from the past all simultaneously, right? It became critically important to master that. And so before I found myself in, in the position of today where I consider myself to be truly successful, I had to have a hard reset. And that hard reset came with some hard moments where I had to I had to look at myself as a grown man and say, man, this is failure. It doesn't look like it to everyone else because I had all of the, the showings of success. But inside, the reality was I was full of failure. Right? I tell people all the time. My net worth back in 2012 was somewhere around negative three hundred thousand dollars. 
but I didn't even know the concept of net worth. I had a master's degree, a, a bachelor's, a, a full-time job, six-figure income, $40,000, $50,000 bonus. Didn't understand the concept of net worth. Didn't realize that I was hustling in 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 reverse, right? Now, now today, my my net worth, you know, ten years later, is well over a million. But that is because I had to stop and I had to look at myself and I had to admit these shortcomings and this failure. I had to admit my inability to balance, and I had to begin the hard work of educating, re-educating myself rather, to fix those problems and start on on a new path. Now. I'm still busy today, but that busy is matched with balance and it's directed towards success. I tell people that I have got this filtering system that I use to manage my day. And what that means for me is I have three very specific goals that I'm working towards. I want to retire early and well. I want to create a financial and educational legacy for my children. And I want to change the world so that it can set my children and allow them to be who they are naturally ordained and destined to become without excuse. Those are my three goals. The filter comes in. 95% of all of my yeses come simply because the ask or the request ties to one, two, or three of those goals. If it doesn't, my answer is no. That's how I achieve my balance. My answer is absolutely no. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, friend. I'm sorry, random dude that I don't know. But I can't do that right now because I'm focused on these things. I leave myself 5 to 8% just to go have a good time. But I'm focused on these goals. If it's not moving me in that direction, that I'm not doing it. Because remember, in that room, I went in every direction. So now I'm walking in one direction. It's a direction ordained by God. And once I adopted that filter, I looked up and all the opportunities that came to me were along those lines. And I've been marching that straight line ever since. Fire. What about you, Spike? You you being, you know, you, you pretty much solo dolo. A man yeah. of many possibilities at this point in your podcast career and in your career in general because it's it's a almost like it's a challenge with to ask you because it's like do you even feel the need to because it's like i can i can run it all the way up to 100 because it's me i can i mean of course you got your mental check-ins and your family and stuff but for the most part do you even feel the need to balance any of that um right now no be honest with you i don't have kids i don't have a significant a significant other like i'm i'm only focused on what i want this legacy of spike blue to be so i have that privilege and i set myself up in a sense that i don't have a lot of responsibilities out outside of family like you said like i have family to go through stuff of course you want to be there for your mom but my main focus is and like what vince was saying I have similar interests, but it doesn't have to do with other people. It has to do with where I want to be in this space with media. How is it going to further me and get the media company started? How is it going to further me in doing what I want to do on a daily basis? When I'm not clocking in for somebody. How is it going to further me in the sense of why I started this and where I am now that I feel accomplished in? And a lot of times, and I was just talking to a brother that I'm mentoring about this this week. Like a lot of times I find myself having to just to be selfish with my time. Like Vince said, like 
I gotta be okay with telling niggas like, nah, bro, I don't, don't want to do that. Like, I have no interest in going to do that. Which you just, I, I, it, it don't line up with where I'm trying to be in five, ten years. And it's a lot to do that, and it takes away. You get lonely doing that, especially if you don't have significant others and kids, and you're doing it for yourself. Like it, it does get lonely doing that. But sometimes you have to bear down and tell yourself, like, nah, bro, like that's not aligned with the goals that I'm looking to reach. Like I'm looking to be a media company and 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 it being self-sustaining where I don't have to clock in in corporate America. And I know that what I do behind these microphones can provide me with a comfortable living. So what's conducive to that? Is it going out doing different podcasts with different brothers? Is it networking? Is it whatever this, that, and the third? But the things that I see that I know it's not conducive to, I got to be a lot more disciplined and I have become a lot more disciplined and being like, nah, bro, I'm cool. I don't want to do that. Or if I want to do that, it just don't, it don't do anything for me anymore as far as where I'm trying to get. And that's a part of just being a 40 year old man versus being a 22 year old dude to be like, ah, you know, man, I'll do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Or I'll do it three days from now. One of the biggest problems that I have and to, to go to golf a little bit with me, like golf helps me be present in the sense of like when you go out out there and you're playing golf and you're trying to be good you can't think about all the other shit that's going on you can't think about what bills are due you can't think about oh i forgot to call this person back this person is texting me you have to focus and concentrate on what's right in front of you if you want to be good at it. you can go out there and you can bullshit and you can waste your time and it'll be cool and you have a good time with your friends but if you want to be good you got to focus on what you want and that's like you asked me before more like why you pick up golf and why is it so interesting to you that's one of the reasons that's one of the ways that i'm training my mind to be like nah bro i don't want to like go home to nashville this weekend because it's a holiday because i have stuff to do i have people to talk to i have things that i want to do to make sure five years from now ten years from now that i've been doing this and i am doing this to build and establish this legacy that i want so yeah sometimes you get caught up more like what you're asking in being too far in the future that's one of my biggest hindrances as a man like i'll be out of my head like mm -hmm. five years from now mm -hmm. or two days from now like it's very rare that i can really just calm myself down and be like bro enjoy what you're doing right now or the successes that you have right now or the people that are complimenting you right now that's why compliments means a lot to me mm -hmm. like i'll post them on my instagram and put them in the stories and shit because a lot of times I don't even realize how this is affecting people. These words that I say, like, I'm always surprised, not out of arrogance or anything of that nature, but when somebody reaches out to me, just like it was a guy that sent me an Instagram message this week. Yeah, like, I, bro, like, I listen to everything that you do. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the things more about that joint, I would have never thought that. You could have came and told me that doing a show with me for a year that, hey, man, this dude thinks this about you and you're great. I wouldn't even believed you. That's how out of presence that I am yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But when I get those messages and people, I see that people are paying attention to what I'm doing. That's the motivating factor behind it because I do get caught up in my feelings. I do get caught up in my head. I do get so yeah. far as to where I want to be and what I want to do that sometimes it doesn't really register with people. Like I told you before, like Dro sent me a message, one of the listeners of the show, like, bro, I'm a friend of yours and I grew up with you and I want you to know how well you're doing with this. Being able to accept those things outside of, I got to grind, I no sleep coach, because that's the culture that we in. No sleep. I got to get this bag. I got to do these things. But sometimes you do got to slow the fuck down. 
and understand what you're doing it for, who you're doing it for, and take those praises in. That's one of the biggest, one of my biggest struggles in, in this space and getting to where I want to be. Yeah, no, yeah. The other thing you got to remember in there, and maybe we'll talk about it, maybe we won't, is uh, the impact and the severity of mental illness, man. One in, yeah. one in three people right now walking around us. So that means one of us is dealing with some level of, of, of mental Facts. issues. And it's a thing that's beginning, it's beginning to be, you know, much more commonplace and central. But the reality is that grind all day, I'll sleep when I'm dead culture contributes to that. Mm-hmm. And when I have had both the blessing and the horror of watching people very close to me suffer significantly at the hands of mental illness. And it's a scary thing when you look up and you realize what your mind can do to you when it needs yep. to rest. Take a break. Long Take a fucking break. Impacts from that stuff. Significant, right? I've, 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 I've spoken at e- events supporting mental health. I've spoken at NAMI events, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And it's, it's, it's real, man. It's the kind of thing that I don't think a lot of people respect it the way they should until they see it. But the problem is the people who suffer oftentimes don't feel comfortable enough to share with mm. Mm. have an example. Because like it Mo, changes your world. You know, you're good. It changes your world. Mo spoke of this a little bit before you when you came back an episode before Mo's first week back he took three weeks off and one of the biggest things that I appreciated to your point what you're saying Vince is that he felt comfortable enough with me as a partner as a friend to be like bro I need I need time off yeah. like not thinking well what will lose say or like man if what if this don't go over well or what if he finds somebody to replace me in three weeks the fact that he was able to be to to be confident enough in me to be like nah I'm I, I need time off bro and I, I respect you enough to know that you got this and if you want to take time off too then I'll be to you that's, that's great but if not I just need you to spot me right here and it felt good for him to be able to say that because a lot a lot of us as black men don't have spaces where we can be like bro I need a fucking break mm-hmm. I need I need a minute I need two minutes I, I need all of y'all to just give me a minute and it's very hard for us to say that as black man because it's never really met with the type of response that we wanted to be met with the type of feeling the type of understanding that we wanted to be met with so i, I was really appreciative mo like you said you being able to come to me and i was able to meet you with the understanding of like mm-hmm. oh bro don't do oh, yeah, it now man totally, i need you like no nah, you know like, you totally it. got it and and and, and to chime into both you brothers uh uh great responses it's when, when it comes to this grind thing and there we got listeners that are that got goals and ambitions it's like it's low-key revolutionary for us because of all of the weight and all of the generational things that we're carrying we're trying to break certain chains it's revolutionary for us so when you hear the word rest take a break it's like i can't like do that I, i'm marching yeah, nigga, who are you talking that's to, what i'm saying like we look at like the grind like i'm marching i'm on the battlefield you can't tell me to take a break i'm i refuse to fall in line to so many of our ancestors or even people that are around that have fallen victim and have settled into life so it's very hard for us to be present and be in a moment because it's like in our head and and again i'm not 
putting this on the same lines of like a Martin Luther King or all of our black ancestors that have made a difference in the country. But in a small, subtle way, it is in our heads revolutionary because we're trying to change a cycle. So the weight that we carry as black men is very challenging sometimes to be present because it's like if I be present too much, I just may be I'm, I just may fall back into the same cycle. And that's yeah, unfortunate. But that's yeah. how a lot of us be thinking. We got to look at life. We may not articulate. Like we got to look at life that way. Yeah. I mean, and, we can consider this, right? This is a justification that self-care is a revolutionary act. When you think about the overwhelming majority of our time in this country, we were literally not allowed to practice self-care. Right? It was something that you could have been killed for. Not getting up and, and doing what you were told in the moment, not showing up on time, taking a moment, taking a day off. Right. Exactly. You could have been killed. Also consider this. Consider the world we live in today when right now a woman can take off time for a BBL. A, a man can take off time to, to have his hair follicles because I considered it move to the top of his head. To <laughs> I feel you, brother. Right? <laughs> Consider right now, no one's going to laugh at the dude when he says, man, I met this bad chick last night, taking off tomorrow because I want to go try to smash, right? Mm-hmm. When old girl comes back from the BBL, they ain't clowning her. They saying, damn, that ass is fat, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't step away because you are stressed. You'll be called weak, right? You cannot stop the grind to take care of your mind, the most important element of your body, your mind and your heart physically are the most important parts of your body. You can't stop to take care of them without getting clowned, but you can go get your ass plumped up, your hair follicles moved, you can go try to bang this chick. Mm-hmm. That's the community and society that we live in right now. And I'm watching it change gratefully. Yeah. But there's some work that has to be done when we cannot respect someone's need for self-care. It means enough of us have not seen the other side when there's a lack. It is ugly. It is scary. It is like shit you see on TV when you see someone in the midst of a severe mental breakdown. It is unlike anything you've seen before. And it is a scary, scary situation. I'm blessed to never have gone through it personally, but I have been in the room and watched people that I love. I've seen it. All of my heart go through those things. And it is a life changing moment. Absolutely, it is. It, to um, see how fragile the mind is. Oh man, I, I've seen a, a, pl- a person close to me that I love. It, it threw me off so much. Like they were having like a, a mental. I don't know if it was a mental or panic breakdown. I seen it happen happening, and I I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't bring this person out of it. And I was like, oh wow, and that was like a new level because I've had my I had my own form of a panic attack. We talk about the mind. I literally put myself in the hospital because I took on I took on a thought process from my father. He had heart problems and I started feeling weird and I called him asking him like, well, what are some of your symptoms? And literally his symptoms jumped onto me and I started panicking. I'm not a panic person. You put a Fred Sanford. Bro. Bro. I literally like, bro. My chest started pounding crazy. I started breathing hard to the point like I I found out later when I when they came and got me, I was breathing so hard. I pulled the air from I pulled my oxygen from out of the bottom of my feet, my legs and all the way up to my chest. My whole you know, how your feet fall asleep. You feel that spiky feel. 
my whole lower body was spiky. And so I'm panicking. I can't come out of it. So you talk about how important the mental, I'll never forget that. That's when I realized how strong the mind was. Because when I got there, they checked my vitals, they checked everything. And eventually, once I was able to calm down, take a Bayer's, I was all right. This was years ago in my 20s. I realized at that point, I never let myself get into a panic again like that. Because I realized how strong you can mentally, it can jump on you. It can take you all the way somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. um, bringing it back to it. Stress to kill you quicker than cancer. Oh boy, I, now, I, I know that. I know that is a as a real thing. So, just bringing it back. I want to. We won't hold you too long, uh, brother Vince. But I, I, we heard. I heard what you were saying as far as balancing and stuff. But like realistically, for those that are out there that are that may be entrepreneurs or may just be at the job, but they got dreams to do something else. Realistically, what would you say to say these are some patterns? for you to be able to go after those things but still be there for your significant other or still be there for your family or still be there for your child like what is a realistic plan because i know we talk about it and people say you'll figure it out you're balancing but like i want to give i want to give you an opportunity maybe you can enlighten us some i mean you know there's always more than one way to skin a cat but maybe you can lighten us on some patterns that seem to kind of or maybe fully work in your favor as far as I got my wife, I got my kids, but I'm also handling businesses. I'm trying to do this outreach for my people and all of these different facets. What if what has seemed to work for you? Three things that I'll say. Boundaries. The power of the word no. And clear communication. And, and I'll explain each boundaries. It is critically important that when you've got people in which you owe things to, And I owe things to my wife, to my mother, to my children. I I owe them all different things that I've promised through God to give to them, right? And so with each of them, I try to set boundaries in my life and in my world that force me to stop and go focus on them for a moment. Whether that means I I get up and I I work from eight to five, and then from five to seven, it's kid time, or five to eight, it's kid time, watching movies, eating dinner, homework and then maybe from eight to ten it's it's time for my wife and I take care of her we have our conversations and whatnot and then maybe at 10 or 11 I go back and I work on some of these other ideas I got till midnight and then maybe I take an hour or two for myself now that means I'm not going to sleep a lot right Mm -hmm. but for me personally through medical like I I don't sleep a whole lot so that that's that's a blessing right so there's the, the boundaries then the, the power of the word, no, going back to those those three things that I'm very focused on, if it doesn't hit those, I'm going to tell you no, because if I tell you yes, it's going to take too much time away from me mm-hmm. and my boundaries and my mm-hmm. commitment. Yeah. And then the last one, the ability to have clear communication is what really kind of weaves everything together, because there are moments when I can't respect my own boundaries. There are moments when the job is too demanding. There are moments when the the real estate or the investments are too demanding. There are moments when opportunities arise from podcasting and media that cause me to ignore my boundaries. And so in those cases, I have to tell my wife or my children or my mother or my sister, listen, you're you're important to me, but I'm going to have to step away to go handle this for right now. I'll be out for a day or two days or three days, but I'll be back. And I promise I'll be back. And then when you get back, you show up and you're there. And and that way they begin to develop a trust for you that he is going to prioritize me. And in the moments that he can't, he's going to communicate that he can't so that expectations can be set. 
right? And I make up time. And, and the last thing, the most important thing is I think as a community, we, we have developed, we have developed this mindset that says, I don't fail and failure is not an option, right? And for me, the exact opposite is true. I'm failing every single day, far more than I succeed. But I fail because I am not scared of a risk. I'm not scared to try something new. Because of that, I fail a lot. But also because of that, I'm looked at as successful because I was a, I was big enough, courageous enough to try some things that I would have never tried had I been scared. So the short to that is I fail every single day for everything that you see me successful in. I promise I'm failing in something else. Right. There have been moments when I, I was working in corporate America and moments when I've left. I tell everyone if, if I'm in corporate America and I'm and I'm kicking ass on all my media stuff, you guarantee I'm failing at work. Yeah. OK. If I'm if I'm doing amazing work in the podcast and it's taken off like it had been, you can guarantee I'm failing in my marriage in that moment. If my marriage is soaring and my kids are happy, you can guarantee I've missed some engagements with, with my mom. Right. For every one success, there are two to three to four failures happening simultaneously. And I have to be going back to our mental conversation. I have to be mentally healthy enough to manage all that failure and still create success. It goes right back to that balance. Can I balance? Oh. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I got to follow up because I don't want to miss this because that, that, was, that was a jewel. So in, in one sense, it sounds like within failure as far as this balance thing because what it sounds like it's like if i'm flourishing and i'm giving what the the higher percentage of myself in one area then that lower percentage is going to come in these areas so i consider that failure so that means there's sacrifice so 100. so what i want to ask one when when the wife is not sometimes most times you know you communicate so i imagine she's on board let's say something comes up a little more without a notice but you know you got to get it done how does those scenarios go for you where it's like yeah. you know when you got your schedule like you say okay i'm trying to eight to ten relatively i'm gonna try to this gonna be this pocket but then something comes up that kind of moves everything up a little quick how do you navigate when wifey's not necessarily filling it but you say i gotta get it done and maybe the mood is not what do you do as far as that part of it Consistency, brother. Consistency is the is the currency that allows me to have change in my bank. Okay. I'm gonna go to my bank and I'm gonna say, "Listen, I'm gonna cash this in because okay. it's fucking sorry. Okay. Short I can't be here for your thing. I can't do this because this came up. But mm. you see my record. Okay, you know I'm solid. Okay, you know I've been here. You know I'm gonna be back, and I have okay. to deliver that. Now the flip side mm-hmm. is for any woman who is married to with dating around a successful man and any man who is dating around or married to a successful woman, Mm -hmm. you also have to be of the mind to understand that with the success comes this unexpected stuff with the success comes like there is, there is no man out there with all the time in the world and all the success. Mm -hmm. Those don't come together. Okay. If you are, if you are, if you have all the time in the world, you probably ain't got a whole lot going on with you. Yeah. Right? You Thanks. just got all if you can always go to the mall, you can always catch a movie. Yep, we're going to get our nails done. If you can always go to Six Flags, if you can always go to Martha's Vineyard, if you can always do something, 
Probably ain't got nothing going on. Right? And and if you never have the time to do something, then you're doing too much, right? It comes back to that balance. It goes back to the power of no boundaries, clear communication. You charge up your bank account so that when the bullshit comes, you cash out. I'm sorry. I got a dip. You understand. You know who I am. You know I'm doing this for us, for our future, for our tomorrow, for this legacy. Mm-hmm. And so then, then he or she is going to excuse that because they know the kind of person you are intimately. Mm-hmm. Right? Successful men and women come with our own set of baggage and issues and complications. That comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. One thing I like to pick up off on, on what Vince said and to answer a question for you too, Mo, like one of the most important things that we forget about as black men, as black people, is communication. Vince said it in his spiel right there. A lot of times we just expect people to understand what we have going on because they're watching, because they're seeing it from a third person's view. And all you know I'm doing this, all you know I'm doing this, why are you stressing me like that? It shouldn't be that way. Successful men and women like Vince was saying, I'm able to communicate with you what's going on, why it's going on, why I'm not able to allocate the time that I said that I could allocate with you right here at this moment. Doesn't mean that I don't love you. It don't mean that this ain't working. It don't mean any of those things. It just means that I have something that came up and I'm communicating with you in a successful manner where both of us understand what's going on with each other. A lot of times, in relationships as black men as black women we leave it up to the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. oh i know this person oh they know me i don't have to explain this to them i don't have to communicate this with them we ain't got to go through these necessary steps that normal people would go through for communication so you can understand me that's not true you need to talk to your person who right there with you in the ground with you because all the time they're not gonna get it they're not gonna understand especially when Vince was talking about success like successful people you got to be able to relate to the people that love you your mom your kids your significant other like look these are the goals that are at hand and every now and then not all the time but every now and then stuff is going to come up where I'm not able to meet the obligations that I've set forth for you and me and I don't want you to hold me to that and think that I'm that type of person, but I do want to communicate with you that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know, even though that it happens, I don't love you less. I'm not doing anything crazy on the side. I'm not doing anything where you have to worry about me if you're mom or dad. But what I do need you to know is that I'm handling my business and I'm communicating with you. And I want you to understand that all of this adds to the like what you said Vince the three things or the things that I'm trying to accomplish in my life one of the main things is communication bro and we fail at that a lot we think that people who are close to us our best friends our girl our mom our kids we think that they understand what we're thinking and as successful people as people who are given a divine road to where they're trying to get to like they've they've been spoken to by the universe or god or whatever you believe in but if you believe in what you're doing and you've been given that calling you have to relay that to the people who love you Mm -hmm. that way they don't misunderstand what it is that's going on and think that you're discounting their benefit in your life Hundred percent, hundred. Yeah, well spoken. I'm I'm, I I I use this as our last question. I and I'll speak first to it. Um, I want to speak about 
just the importance of being present like for this next generation these gen, gen z years um that's gonna be my last question i'm gonna ask y'all but I, i'll step in first just like what would you give this generation and i would speak to i've been listening to one of my favorite rappers like i know like jay-z is huge for y'all uh, Nipsey's my Jay-Z. <laughs> Jay-Z I, I said, I, I mean, like we a hundred years old, like <laughs> you like what I said, <laughs> like it was you like the rat every here now. I'm gonna hit you with the age, you know, I'm hit you with the ageism, you know what I mean? Oh, Sammy Davis Jr. niggas. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I know y'all old niggas like Jay-Z, man. Like, like he ain't around still. That's hilarious. Like that, but no, seriously, like, uh, but like, but like Nipsey's that to me, like Jay-Z for y'all, Nip- Nipsey was that for me. And I've been listening to, I mean, I, I always listen to his stuff in rotation, but I picked it back up here recently. And it's just some of the things that he was speaking about was about uh, 10 years from now, things that were to come. And these are things he was speaking about in 2014, 2015. And I realized it, it's, it's always hurtful listening to it because the potential of where it was going and the future focus was so prevalent with a, with a Nipsey hustle. You never thought that that future was going to be cut short. And so when I listened to him and, and I received the ambition and the goals and they realized it was cut short, it makes me think like, dang, I wonder if, if he knew it was going to end this way, how much would he have been more present? Would he have said, you know what, I'm just going, mm-hmm. I'm going to bask in the glory of I'm success. Let me be my girl a little bit. Let me be my child. Maybe I should take a second to do this. Even though I still want to do these things, I want to do great things for me, my crew, my hood, my, my, my community. So I say that to say, and I'm going to throw the ball on both y'all court, whoever wants to respond first. I say this to this generation, even if y'all not familiar with Nipsey, that are young, that are listening. It's very important to be present because you're really not guaranteed, bro, the next moment. My, I had a uncle that never spent not a mo- money, not no money out of his 401k, not a dime out of anything he saved. And he finally retired and he passed away not even a year. So he never got to see the residuals. Jesus. And that hurt We're my feelings. My, mom, my mom's brother, my uncle Roger, rest in peace. He never got to see that. His wife will get to, you know, obviously live off of that. But what good is it when your husband's not even around? We're talking about 60s early 60s so i say that to say it's like why you're chasing the bag why you're going after these things you got to still be present too i'm not saying throw everything away and just live in a moment but you got to live in a moment sometimes wonderful things are happening right in front of your face and these are the things that will refuel you when you're trying to get back on the battlefield of this grind we talk about this revolutionary movement of changing a generational cycle so be present at moments sometimes lock your phone even maybe even turn your phone off and just live in a moment laugh be goofy for a moment like it's very important and you'd be surprised dance. that dan <laughs> you know what i mean like you'd be surprised at the endorphins that it shoots through your body and and the benefit like me and spike talk about you took go away from the whole whatever the situation say you know what i had a good time i'm glad i did that so i would just say those things are needed in the chase in the pursuit being present are is is a fueler to go after the future. What say y'all? I'll to comment me? on. I'll comment on the Nipsey Hustle thing and, and add some and get out of the way and let Vince speak to it to take us out of here. But um, I don't want this to sound wrong. Being present has a lot to do with even in that situation that you brought up specifically with Nipsey. Um, from what we understand, he told the dude. 
oh man, you're a snitch. I can't be dealing with you. Yeah. Right? That was what we understood that happened. Mm -hmm. Being present in the situation, like you're saying right there, Mo, it's like, I don't even have to address that. Mm -hmm. I'm Nipsey Hustle, bro. I got kids. My wife is Lauren London. I don't care that, not that I don't care that you snitch, but it ain't got nothing to do with me right here in this moment. There's nothing that I got to say to trigger you to go get a gun from your car and shoot me. Mm -hmm. I don't even got to make that comment because I'm present enough in this moment to know that this nigga is just enough of a loser. He try to take my life for some shit that I believe in or that I stand true on. So now I ain't got to have this conversation with him and tell him that I think that he's a snitch. You know what? He can speak to me and he can say, hey, and I can say, hey, and he can go on about his day. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. Yeah. Unfortunately, Nip wasn't able to be present enough in the moment to be like, nah, I don't even really care enough about this dude to call him out based off what we've heard and what we know. I'm not saying he did anything wrong or anything yeah. of that nature, but what I'm saying is speaking to the topic of what we're on and being present in the moment and brothers understanding that a lot of stuff a lot of stuff ain't even worth your response yeah a lot of shit ain't even worth you engaging with niggas and being and going down the road to where it may lead to somewhere that takes you away from those goals that you had that vince talked about those three things that are important in my life like it don't matter that i call you out for being a snitch bro because i don't give a fuck about you I don't give a fuck about what you got going on, your empire, your enterprise, none of that. All I care about is walking away from this situation, going home to my kids, continuing what I got going on, and making sure that it's successful. Unfortunately, we lost a brother in Nip that didn't get to do that. He didn't get to do that. And some dusty ass nigga who didn't have the right mindset took him out. But what if he was able to be in that moment and be like, man, you know what, bro? Like, Go buy your t-shirts or whatever you came here to do. It ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah. So when I think about being present, there are a few things that come to mind for me. I'm 47 years old today, right? Not in today, but I'm 47. And I was going to say happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and in that, I have had the pleasure of building amazing relationships and, and loving people with my entire heart, right? And because I've been blessed to love people with my entire heart and I'm 47 years old, so I've lived a decently long time thus far and I wanna live a lot more. Unfortunately, that means I've also sat on the other side of losing people, right? When I tell people, man, the last 10 years of my life I've lost a lot of people. I lost my father at 56. I lost my younger brother at 36. I lost all four of my grandparents, all to cancer, right? My, my mother prayerfully beat breast cancer. And so when I look at my family unit today versus a decade of 15 years ago, it's completely different. And I know it, it might not sound like I'm going to a presence, but I promise I am. What I learned through living a life filled with a certain amount of love and a certain amount of loss is that the beauty that allows you to survive the loss is the ability to build memories and moments in the present that last through everything else, mm. right? And so 
The message that I got over and over every time I lost someone was that I need to value the time that I have with everyone else who matters to me because time runs out for everyone. There's no one here who is going to beat time. So that means I'm not done losing people or I'll be the one who's lost two people. Those are promises. So for me, the reminder of that is, yes, I am focused on building a legacy that I can enjoy tomorrow, but I cannot lose sight of the people, the moments, and the memories that matter today. I have to be present because I've learned the hard way that tomorrow is not promised. For every one of those people I lost, there was one day that they were here and the next they weren't. It is just that quick. People joke about the idea that, well, you know, you only live once. Tomorrow's not promised. But there is so much reality yeah. in those things that until you walk that path, mm-hmm. you do not understand. I tell people all the time, there are major moments that are going to come and impact your life. You're going to lose major people. You're going to deal with major loss. You're also going to deal with major wins. And the thing that I promise people is... If you've not experienced one of those moments yet, just wait. It is coming. And when it comes, you will learn the hard lesson of the importance of today and the present because you will no longer you will no longer have the opportunity to connect, to touch, to tell, to communicate with that person who matters so much to you or you'll be the one that no one could communicate with. One of the two is going to happen. So in that, we have to find a way to value ourselves, our loved ones, our community, and understand the power of the memories and the moments we create today, because that is what sustains you tomorrow when loss happens or when you are lost, those moments will sustain the people that you left. With that, that's, that's all I got, man. This guy dropped a mic that's, on that's us. Very more than that. Absolutely. <laughs> nah, that's real. This man. came through, man, and did a hell of a performance on us. And just some other tips, too. Like for that's people real. who are listening to this, they like the episode. They're like, okay, well, you guys said a lot, but what are some practical things that I could do? Uh, meditation is one. Like, you don't have to start and do that shit at 10 minutes, 15 minutes if you don't want to. I explained this to a brother that I was speaking because I meditate. And sometimes you can only do that shit for a minute or two minutes, but do it for that minute or two minutes. You ain't got to try to force it to 10 minutes. You ain't got to try to force it to whatever it is. It may be that you feel like you can't do it, but meditate, take time out, breathe, close your eyes and be present in what you're doing. Also try to limit multitasking. Try to prevent yourself from saying i gotta do five six seven things at the same time you gotta answer all these emails answer these texts and these questions and answer this person is right here talking to me try to focus on a couple of things at a time and also the last thing just try to cut back on what you're doing from a digital standpoint the social media the waking up as soon as you wake up opening up the apps and 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 seeing what people got going on twitter and instagram those are three things that you could try to focus on to make you Make sure that you're being present versus just hopping on the highway of the world, bro. <laughs> and y'all heard it here first. Before we get out of here, Vince, 
Where can they Yo, find you? What you got going on as far as social media and every all of the projects you got going on? Where can they find it, man? Man, it's so funny to get asked that question. I've been asked it so much, I never have a good answer for it. I always this is Spike Lou. He literally say what. <laughs> but look, I, I ask people that every time I interview them, think I have a good answer. So let me take a second and think. Um, if you are interested in engaging with Wild Black, you can do that on any podcast platform. You can also find us on Instagram at Wild W H I L E underscore Black. If you are interested in following me, I am on Instagram at D, as in dog, Darius, damn, dynamite, D, dot Hicks, H-I-C-K-S, the number 24. Hit me up there. I talk to most of the people who reach out. I'm always posting something that I've said, something that the guest said. I'm truly, truly, truly intentional in my support for people who look like me. I want us to be better, to be successful, because when I get there, I do not want to be there alone. Last thing I'll tell people is you have to truly learn to love yourself, which means prioritizing yourself before you can love anyone else. And if you do think you love someone else, but you can't take care of yourself, mm-hmm. I have news for you. You ain't doing it right. Boy, facts. I figured that out years ago with my wife, but that's a whole nother yeah, subject. I figured out why, why I couldn't get that's past a certain <laughs> threshold of love. I realized yeah. I, I didn't love myself. Got that's a, lot a whole to do nother. That's got a, a lot to do with right you, there. not her. Yeah, boy. Yeah, we got a conversation, bro. Oh, yeah. We're going to get there, but thank you. Thank you, bro. Anytime, fellas. I love you. And it's been a blessing to have you come through, drop gems. I learned a lot. I hope the people that are listening learned a lot. I hope that this episode will go down as far as one of the ones that people continue to go back yeah. to and get gems from like the episodes in which we try to do. Uh, Mo, I'll let you take us home. All right. Uh, before I take us home, you want to tell them anything you got going on within now and when they hear this? Uh, what is this? Friday? Yeah, Friday, man. I got an odd Friday coming up with... Um, the guys over there, the hip hop FIFO and I are doing a Southern hip hop versus style battle, and the dead end crowd comes and they support FIFO a lot more than I get support. So if you listening to this and you see the link in my bio and you see all the shit on Instagram, log on, pay whatever it is for the Patreon. We'll make sure it's worth it for you. But I need some support over on my end. To make sure I can win this versus battle with Southern hip hop songs, man, because they cheat a little bit over there. Look, I I guess I should tell them where I'll be then. Um, Yeah, let's hear it. It's a drop, but whatever this Saturday is, which it probably won't drop before this Saturday, I'm doing the African Ancestry 20 year anniversary live ancestry reveal with me, Culture Chat, um, next month. So, sometime in October, I think. Revolt World. Revolt. Is it called Revolt World now? Yep. Revolt Summit. Revolt World now. You'll catch me on a couple of their stages, doing some talks, doing some panels. Um, October 11th through 13th, I'm speaking at the Black Men, Black Men Excel Conference happening down in Miami. And I think that's it for me right now. African Ancestry Revolt World. When is the Black Man Excel Conference? October 11th through 13th is Black Man Excel. Pull up to that. Where? At? Yeah. Miami. Miami, Florida. Always, it's always a good idea to have a conference in Miami, man. Like I'm telling you. <laughs> the Revolt World happening right here in Atlanta. Thanks. 
couple right. stages I'll be on, a couple conversations I'll be in, and then holler me on Wild Black. Okay. And lastly, uh, of course, y'all know we come out every Friday, another week in the books. Go check out Wild Black as he spoke before, as well as Odd Fridays. That's going to be on YouTube. Uh, yeah, get behind the paywall, support this black man. And lastly, uh, every Monday we got good earners reviewing the Sopranos. We just started season three, so we are putting that black perspective on the Italian mob TV classic show. And also, y'all can go check out my audio drama series, Roll the Audio Drama Series, where I write it, act it, produce it. I do all those things. This is the last season, season four. So y'all go check that out, man. Maybe it become a TV show. Maybe it become a spinoff. Who knows? But y'all go tune in, man. Support us, Black Brothers. We appreciate y'all for tuning in, man. We are out. Yes, sir.